This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Man's Podcast, episode 151. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye what it do btm tribe welcome to this brand new installment this brand new episode of the before the millions podcast and on today's episode i am interviewing a data expert a data miner a real estate investor a well-sought-out speaker. I mean, the list goes on. This guy controls $250 million in real estate assets, but he loves to be thought of as the mad scientist of multifamily. He loves to be thought of as a data analytical expert because that's where his true passions are. And in fact, he made his name as a technologist. And real estate just so happened to be the vehicle that he poured his proceeds into after selling one of his companies. His name is Mr. Neil Bawa, and we are going to get into all things data mining. More specifically, we're going to talk about the economy as a whole. Again, guys, this is the Corona virus episode, the COVID-19 episode, where we're going to talk about all things coronavirus and how it's affecting the real estate market today here in 2020. And I guarantee you the insights that Neil has are going to be mind-blowing. They're going to shift your thinking. They're going to be things that you thought weren't possible this year, things that you had given up on this year because of how 2020 has started. You're going to get those dreams and goals and visions back in alignment. You're going to get back on that horse and you're going to conquer your next or your first real estate deal sooner than you know. So stay tuned for a jam-packed episode. If you're wondering where the markets are going, if you're wondering why stock prices have dropped between 40 and 70%, if you're wondering what's going to happen in the real estate terrain for the rest of the year, if you're wondering how these bailouts of these large companies and how these cash infusions to the everyday American individual is going to affect us as real estate investors, this episode is for you. If you're wondering about the quarter to jump into the real estate, if you're wondering about when to pull the trigger, when to start looking at deals, when to start making offers on deals, if now is the right time, if now is not the right time, all those questions will be answered on today's episode. I think it's really important to take a step back and look at this episode with an open mind. We're all in our own little respective bubble. But when we look at the numbers, when we look at the facts, when we look at the overall picture, it gets a little bit clearer. And we're able to take those next best steps in our business building journey and our real estate investing journey. There have been so many people I've coached this year who are just like, DeRay, what do I do now that the markets have turned? What do I do now that homes are no longer moving on the market? Do I continue to look for motivated tellers? Even my clients, even my mastermind members 
Although I work with 95% investors, even the, the small portion of people that I work with that are realtors, the entire real estate agent industry has practically been shut down overnight. There's so many questions that are going to get answered on this episode. So we have a literal jam-packed one-hour episode for you that's going to get you answers to all your real estate investing questions. Uh, so this coronavirus episode couldn't be any more timely. And again, guys, I just want to stress that you are staying safe. You are doing your best to be healthy to maintain a, a healthy immune system, you're practicing social distancing, and you're doing all of the things that you can to protect yourself, your family, and individuals that you come in contact with. With that being said, there's so much opportunity in this market. There's so much opportunity here in 2020. And if anybody has led you to believe the alternative, then I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad that you're listening to this episode because we're going to debunk all those myths now. If you haven't already been following on the Before the Millions journey, go ahead and subscribe. Once you subscribe, you'll be notified of every single podcast episode that comes out on this podcast. This will most likely be one of the most listened to episodes that we've produced. So I want to make sure that for all of the new listeners that are listening to my voice for the very first time, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Let's just even listen to the past two or three episodes. And I can almost guarantee you that if you love this one, you'll love all of the podcasts that we have in store for you. This podcast is all about lifestyle design and helping you ultimately get to your lifestyle design goal through a real estate investing vehicle. It's that simple. Use real estate investments, use passive income and a real estate business to ultimately, for a lot of you, leave your W-2 or your corporate day job. That's the mission of this podcast. That's what we help individuals do every single day. That's what I've been able to do in about 18 months when I started back in 2016. So I'm glad that you're here. Go ahead and one, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't been following on the Before the Millions journey so that you can witness 150 plus millionaires from all over the world tell you their story and how they become millionaires through real estate. And secondly, if you haven't been following me personally, find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Lalia, D-A-R-A-Y-O-L-A-L-E-Y-E. That's my first and last name. Go ahead and add me. Send me a quick DM. Let me know that you found me on the Before the Millions podcast. Let's chat. Let's connect. And let's grow together. Post a whole lot about my travels. Most recently, I've been in Mexico for the past month. So I haven't really been on the ground floor when it comes to this whole coronavirus thing. But speaking with Neil really put things in perspective. And I was blown away. And again, you will be too. So add me on the grams. Let's get connected. And that's an added thought for my valued also valued longtime listeners. I want you guys who are already connected with me on Instagram and social media, I want you guys to send me a quick message. Or if you have my email direct before the millions.com, send me a quick message about your thoughts from this episode and any questions that you may have in general. I want to do a solo, which again, my seasoned listeners know I love doing solo episodes. I want to do a solo episode. I'm just answering you guys' questions. As it pertains to real estate, as it pertains to your journey, as it may even pertain to this particular episode. So if you have one question or if you have 10 questions, send me an Instagram DM. Let me know you heard this episode and that's why you're reaching out. You're sending me an Instagram DM and it can be in the form of a text or you could actually send me a voice message. And if you send me a voice message, I'll have the ability to play that voice message as a question live on the show. But if you send me a text and I'll go ahead and read that text and make sure I get your question answered. So what Ever questions you have, send it to me via email, send me an Instagram DM, send me a ping on Facebook Messenger, however you want to get in contact with me so I, I can go ahead and queue up an entire Q&A episode. So again, my Instagram handle is my first and last name, DeRay Alalia. So before we get into the show, let's first get into the tip 
of the week. DeRay's Tip of the Week. So last week I had a few conversations with some of my one-on-one personal coaching clients around this same topic and really just, again, understanding how to look at real estate over the next 12 months. And before Neil, today's podcast guest, was able to bless us with so much of his knowledge, we still needed to be proactive in making sure that we're looking to invest in the right markets. We're noticing any market upticks or downturns and we're paying attention to the little things like days on market and the actual inventory month over month that's available for us to purchase. And back in the old days, to be able to do something like this required either insider information, some type of license or, or access to proprietary software and the works really. I mean, the average person cannot really go out and data mine the type of things that we'd want to look for in today's market to be able to make educated guesses as far as where to invest and when to invest. Um, but that, that all has changed over the past few years. And that's in part due to some of these tools and aggregators that have come about in the real estate industry. One specifically that I use is a tool called PropStream. And you may have heard of PropStream before, but may have never really thought about PropStream being one of those analysis wizards that really helps you understand where a market is going and where a market has been, right? You may know as you may know PropStream as the all-in-one tool that really helps you generate your leads list, which is again a beautiful feature in PropStream that I use every single day. You may know PropStream for helping you vet properties, right? Running comps, uh, getting mortgage balances, tax info, running title. Like, yeah, you can do all of this with this one tool. You may know PropStream for uh, calculating rehab costs for you, right? Your labor, your material costs based on the exact city that you live in, right? Because labor and material vary across the United States. You may know PropStream as the marketing tool to help you send out postcards, to help you do your email marketing, do your voicemail drops and all these other things. But again, even though it's an all-in-one tool for all these things, now in today's market, it's more pertinent than ever to pay attention to the individual neighborhoods, to the individual markets that we are investing in, and really just finding those pockets that yield the best returns, especially in terms of cash flow. So we use PropStream, and again, it's a tool that with just a few clicks of a button, you can have a full-fledged printed out spreadsheet that shows you forecasting of any and every market in the United States. It's simply amazing. And this tool is not only useful for you and your personal knowledge, but also if you're working with investors and you're using their money to invest in deals. And this is a super vital asset that you can use in your arsenal to give to your investors, to show them what the market trends are, to help them feel more comfortable if need be with a certain, with a certain investment or with a certain neighborhood. So again, I find in these trying times that emotions are running high and we're no longer thinking from a rational point of view. So when I'm able to get out these numbers and these metrics uh, week over week and month over month and show myself, really show my students and my clients and again, also investors what the real estate market is actually doing, then it puts us in a better position to take control and it, and it puts us in a better space mentally, which is always important during times like this. I think the stock market proves it, right? I mean, we're seeing these 40 to 70% losses on stocks and bonds, and it's, it's, it's insane. And the driving force for many of this is fear and uncertainty. So if we can put a little bit more certainty back in what we're doing, and it's actually backed by the numbers, then I believe that that gives us a leg up on the competition. So again, I use PropStream for about 90% of the tasks and activities in my real estate business. 
So if you want to use PropStream for free for the next seven days, you'll get a seven day free trial. All you have to do is head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash deal. Again, this is the all-in-one investor tool that I use to operate about 90% of my business. Uh, again, from generating lead lists to vetting properties, to calculating rehab costs, to marketing tools, and again, market analytics, which is something that we need right now, right? To make sure that we're moving forward in our investing journey in the most responsible way. We all know what happened in 08. We all know what happened in 09. And we want to make sure that we're staring clear away from that. But we also want to make sure that we're continuing to invest diligently and efficiently all across the board. So again, I use PropStream in my business to handle most of the tasks. And if you want your seven-day free trial to PropStream, just to check it out, just to see if you like it, it's risk-free. So after day six, if you're like, dude, like I totally hate this tool, then go ahead and cancel your risk-free trial and you'll still get that seventh day for free. So you have absolutely nothing to lose. You'll get immediate access to go ahead and generate thousands, tens of thousands of lead lists from pre-foreclosures to vacants to utilities to liens and so much more. This is how I sometimes find fixers and flippers to off-sale wholesale deals to. You can find so many different types of lists. And again, you pay one monthly price. If you do decide to go past the seven-day free trial, you pay one small monthly price, which is about $99. And you have access to robust tools that real estate agents feel like are so coveted. Yes, you have access to MLS level data information. Yes, you have access to title information so that you can do your own title searches if you actually wanted to. Um, it's simply amazing. My ultimate favorite thing about this tool is that I can pull and filter for any kind of list that I want all across the United States unlimitedly for free, which is like the exact opposite of a company like ListSource. So again, it's simply amazing. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash deal, D-E-A-L. That's beforethemillions.com forward slash deal. Okay. Now, Let's get into it. And now your feature presentation. So I am a recovering technologist. And, um, you know, uh, I got into real estate in reverse. Most people get into real estate by buying a single family rental. In my case, uh, my CEO, a brilliant man, his name is Paul Afshar. He asked me to uh, help him build a campus in 2003. And this was a business campus for our technology company. And so he and I ended up building this beautiful $6 million campus in 2003 and 2004. So I got into real estate in reverse, right? That's what you're supposed to do after 10 years in real estate. Well, that's how I started. And, and then sort of rolled back to the single family realm where I bought 10 single families in California that I still own and then bought 10 triplexes in Chicago and then started buying 14 units uh, in buildings and then sort of grew from there. Um, and, uh, you know, in 2013, that company, that tech company that I worked for was sold and I, yeah, I invested the proceeds of that sale, that uh, exit into real estate, um, started talking with people about some of the data driven things that I was doing. I'm a data scientist. I'm a geek. I love geeking out on numbers and I love telling people about it's sort of like reading the tea leaves of the numbers, right? So that you, you'll, you'll hear that message in this podcast over and over again, that I love reading the tea leaves. I love seeing where the data is pointing me to. And so what I started doing was I started publishing this data using a meetup that I started in 20, 2011. And I started, uh, you know, I published a course online on udemy.com and that course just went nuts. And now there's, you know, massive numbers of people that take this data analytics course and it's called Location Magic, how to pick the best cities and neighborhoods in the US. And it's a free course. Anybody can go to udemy.com, Google my name, you know, or search for my name, 
and you'll see this course and you'll notice that it's actually the highest reviewed, best reviewed course in the real estate vertical on Udemy.com. Udemy has hundreds and hundreds of real estate courses, but this is uh, the best reviewed course. And I, I think it's because I resonate with those people that are data-driven or want to be more data-driven because real estate, we just say a bunch of things and we don't really back it up with numbers or we use numbers actually to push our message as opposed to the truth. And so I felt that there was a place for a mad scientist or multifamily to come in and start to, uh, you know, build a niche that was data-driven. And that's really what's happened. People have been drawn to me. Um, I have about um, 3,000 investors that are following uh, what we do at this point in time. We've invested um, tens of millions of dollars of their money. Uh, the current portfolio is mostly multifamily storage units and, and student housing. It's over $250 million. And before coronavirus, we were looking to double that this year. Now, of course, all bets are off. I have no idea what the growth rate is going to be. And I'm really not worried about it because at this point, we have an existential threat. It's a threat to our economy. It's a threat to our way of life. And I'm focused on spreading the message of that using data science. I love that. And before we get to the implications of CLVID-19, um, you mentioned that you're, you're really not worried about it. And in part, that's because of the severity of of coronavirus, but also in part it's because of the way you've built your life and it's the way you've built your assets. You know, there's a, there's a saying out there that you don't, you don't buy for the good times, you buy for the bad times. So I want to quickly jump into the metrics that you look at when you do buy, because there are a lot of investors who are, who are going to sit on the fence for a while. They may sit on the fence too long, or a lot of investors who wanted to get started over the past 11, 12 years that haven't gotten started. 2020 was their year and bam. This is the perfect year for anyone sitting on the fence to get started. And we'll talk about why it is the perfect year, right? So if you've been saying for the last eight years, it's getting too expensive in 2012, then it getting too expensive in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, saying it's too expensive. Now you don't have that excuse because you're about to see real estate prices that will be lower. And those real estate prices will be lower for one to two quarters. So you have a very short window. It's not long. So don't sit there. Do not sit on the fence because if you sit on the fence, you've already been kicking yourself for sitting on the fence for the last eight years. Well, now you, you'll deserve the hardest kick you've ever given to your backside if you sit on the fence in Q3 of this year. So in my mind, you cannot have that excuse this year. You cannot. If you're numbers driven, if you're an investor, not a speculator, you cannot have that excuse this year. So I, I, you know, going back to my portfolio, yes. I mean, I look at five things and you know, for the purposes of this show, this is not the focus. So I'll, I'll just give them to you. I want population growth and I want roughly one and a half to 2% you know, annualized population growth. I want income growth. Are you looking on census.gov? Like where are you looking for the, these metrics? Well, I use, I use Google for population growth. I use city-data for most of my other metrics and I use department of numbers. That's D-E-P-T of numbers.com for jobs data, right? So those are my three sources because uh, Google gives you population data for any, any area in the US. You know, just type in population space name of city. So I want, you know, one and a half percent roughly of, you know, uh, of population growth in, in, in a market that I'm going to one and a half percent a year. I want two percent or higher income growth. I want two and a half percent or higher home price growth. Um, I want the, um, the crime rate to be on, on city-data.com. When you type in the city, you go to the crime table, you go to the last row. 
I want the number that's on the far right, which is the newest number, the crime number to be below 500. So that's, that's an easy one. And by the way, all of these are explained in detail over three hours on that Udemy course. So once again, I encourage you to either go to udemy.com or easier if you want all of my webinars and all of my, my data, it's on multifamilyu.com. On the bottom left, top, top left is a link called learn, click it, click location magic and all of this stuff in a structured course with Excel spreadsheets, with PowerPoint decks is given away for free. And it's always meant to be free. There's no upsell. Nobody's gonna say something like, hey, I have this audio book to sell and nothing like that. Here's a course, take it, use it. And uh-huh. now you must use it because your opportunity is coming. So that's the, so the fourth one is crime. And then the fifth one is job data. I want higher than 2% job growth. Now there is no, not going to be any part of the country on that on department of numbers that for March will have job growth, all of them will be declining. So you've got to wait for the last next two or three months or just look at the data right before um, in, in February, there's a, there's a website on the internet called the Wayback Machine and you can run departmentofnumbers.com on the Wayback Machine and look at February numbers and use those to make your decisions in June because obviously numbers in March, April, May are all going to be negative for every city in America. So you shouldn't use those. Uh, but you can use February numbers, and I, I know that those numbers will come back starting June and July and August when, when as the economy recovers. So, so those are my five metrics, and I provided incredible amount of detail. If you go to multifamilyu.com and click on Location Magic and take that course, once again, you notice nobody pitching you anything, nobody trying to upsell you on anything. It's just information that you can use. It's it's fully packaged. It's ready. You never need anything again. You never need to talk to Neil Bao again. Use that information. And, and, and execute in Q3 when you see lower prices. That is my, my key message. I love it. I love it. And, we, and again, that's a sneak peek into what we're going to talk about here shortly when it comes to the coronavirus. So stick around for that. But ultimately, Neil, I want to make sure that, uh, that, that the listeners are clear that not only uh, on a national level or on a state level are you, are you going to use these metrics to maybe select where you want to start your journey, start your business, start investing. Even getting a little bit more granular down to the neighborhood level, I think that there are a few statistics that you may or may not pay attention to. You know, just because at a state level or at a city level, you know, the metrics uh, pan out to this different neighborhoods that have their own metrics, have different numbers, and, and some are better than others. So what do you look for from a neighborhood standpoint? So uh, firstly, I look for income levels. I want roughly 41 to 71K income, uh, median household income in those neighborhoods. And income lower than that will spike your delinquency, will spike your turns, will increase your lo- like local uh, legal costs. Uh, once you go above 71K though, your cash flow will drop to a point where investors will not invest with you. So if it's your own money, you can go up above 71K median income. If it's you know investor money, then I, I suggest that you stay uh, at or around that 71K mark. You can go a little bit higher in expensive states like, like California or, or, um, you know, or um, New York. You can go up from 71 to maybe 81, but don't, don't push it too far because you won't get cash flow. Um, so so you know, that's, that's a key piece. I want poverty levels in that neighborhood to be under 20%. You can get this information on neighborhoodscout.com, neighborhoodscout.com. Um, and then you want um, the, um, the ethnic mix, right? So you can get an ethnic mix from neighborhoodscout.com for any neighborhood in the US. You want a mix of ethnicities. You don't want all African-Americans. You don't want all whites. You don't want all Chinese because the, uh, your marketing 
becomes much more expensive then. You want multiple ethnicities to like living in this neighborhood that you're inve investing in because then your units just fly off the shelf because there's a lot of demand, right? Oh, so an ethnic, ethnic mix that has, think of a pizza that has lots of pizza slices, that's the kind of place you want to invest in, right? So those are some of the neighborhood statistics. They are part of the location magic course. It's split into five metrics on the city side and five metrics on the neighborhood side. And if you apply all 10 of them, you might not get 10 checkboxes. You might get nine checked out of 10, and that's fine. What I, my message is, Derek, don't go 3,000 miles away to find a city that checks off 10 checkboxes. You might as well go 300 miles away to a city that checks off nine out of 10. That's better, right? Because then you'll spend more time going there. You look at more houses. You'll reject more houses, right? Whereas if it's 3,000 miles away, you're going to say, oh, it, 10 out of 10, Neil Bawa says buy, and you'll just buy some piece of garbage there, right? Because every city has crappy properties. Neil, you talk about two scenarios, right? There's two possible scenarios that, that we can go down when it comes to COVID-19. So I want to talk about worst case scenario first and what that looks like. And then I want to talk about the other scenario that, that uh, that's a possibility as, as a nation or maybe even as, as a whole, the entire world, because I think we're all coming together for this. So what are those scenarios for us? So scenario one is the scenario that we don't go into full scale lockdown here in the U.S. And and one in a, so on March 11th, I published a video that said the United States will be in lockdown within 30 days. And then a week later, I changed that uh, prediction to say the United States will be in lockdown within 15 days um, of March 18th. Right. And as as you can see, it's moving in that direction. So scenario one says we don't go into a complete lockdown. We let this thing just explode. In that scenario, 40 to, 40 to 150 million Americans get infected. Between 2.4 million and 8 million Americans die in the next three months. Sounds crazy because we didn't lose that many people in either of the world wars. But that is the default scenario, believe it or not. And a lot of people are saying this is just the flu. Don't understand this. I mean, there are people 30 years old that are hooked up to machines right now in New York 30-year-old marathon runners with no history of smoking that cannot breathe. And if they didn't have a ventilator today, they would die. This is not the flu. The flu never did that to anybody. The flu killed a small percentage of the people that it infected, 0.1%. This thing is killing 1% to 1.5% in countries where the healthcare system is not overwhelmed. It's killing 5 to 8% in countries like Italy where the healthcare system is overwhelmed. Bottom line, though, is people have to be on ventilators for weeks for their lungs to recover. Currently, New York has approximately 3% of the ventilators that it needs, which means that we are about to see, and this is, by the way, at this point, and we're recording this on the 24th of March. This is inevitable. We are about to see a catastrophic tragedy take, out, take place in the state of New York. Now, you say, you, you know, Neil, we're, we're not talking about the U.S. here. We're not talking about the world. It's going to happen in many places around the world. It's already happened in Italy. It's already happened in Spain. But neither Italy nor Spain had a problem as bad as the city of New York does. So at this point, knowing what I know, I can predict that we are about to see a massive number of casualties in New York. And you might say, well, that's going to happen in the future. No, you don't understand how this virus works. Because people can be infected for two weeks without symptoms, those people that are going to die are already infected. We just haven't counted them yet. Wow. So at this point, 
the true count of people in New York that are infected is somewhere over a quarter million. So it's between a quarter million and one million people that are already infected but are not counted yet. They don't have ventilators for them. They don't have hospital beds. And even if they had beds, they don't have people to man those beds. So we are going to see a tragedy roll out across New York. And it is our job to prevent it from happening in other places, to follow the example of California and other states. So on March 11th, when I recorded that presentation, I said the U.S. will go into full lockdown in 30 days. People made fun of me, right? And, and people thought that for some reason, this was a political statement. They thought that I was a Democrat and I was opposed to you know business. And for some reason, I didn't like Trump. None of that is true. I mean, this has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with math. Exponential numbers are the problem, Derry. The human brain is designed only to understand things like one, two, three, four. But the virus thinks in terms of one, ten, hundred, one thousand, ten thousand, one million, ten million. Yeah. On March 1st, we had 75 cases in the United States. On March 1st, today is March 24th. I think we're over 40,000 cases. 75, 40,000, 23 days. Now you exponentially move that up, and two thirds of the country is infected by the end of May. Two thirds, actually, by the end of April. So, bottom line is, We've never faced anything like this. We've never faced it in 2008. We haven't faced it in 2001. We haven't faced it during the oil crisis. We haven't even faced this during the world wars. The reason for that is here's an enemy that can fight and grow its forces in 193 countries at the same time and multiply itself every three days. It doubles its forces every third day. You want to check this? Go take a look at any graph that shows that exponential growth and go back and check to see what the count was three days ago. Uh, check Spain, check UK, check Germany, check Italy, check the US. Every third day, this virus doubles itself, which means that it becomes more and more powerful every single day in every single country in the world. The bottom line is there's one way to fight it. We know it works because the China already tried it. Now in Italy, we're seeing a very significant decline in cases because of that. So we know it works. And that is a full, full-scale lockdown. I'm not even talking about shelter in place. I'm talking about a step beyond that, what India did yesterday. And this is scenario two we're getting to, correct? This is scenario two. Scenario two is us getting out without having hundreds of millions of deaths. And I have seen starting last Thursday, last Thursday, right? So we're, we're on the 24th. So let me look at what Thursday was. Thursday was 19th of April, five days ago. The first state in the US to go into lockdown or they call it shelter in place was California. In five days, 16 of our other states have followed suit. So today on the 24th, 17 US states are in shelter in place or you know lockdown if you wanna call it that. And then there's a whole bunch of other cities that are in lockdown. Dallas has gone into lockdown. So has Nashville, uh, Philadelphia, and St. Louis. So major cities, even though their states haven't declared it, major cities have said, enough is enough. We know what happens here. We're seeing the human tragedy happen in real time in New York. We don't want to be next. This is scenario two. What we have seen already from the, the places that lockdown happened, Hong Kong, China, and Italy, is that three weeks of lockdowns causes a crest. So the first week and a half, nothing changes. You're just going nuts and people are like, this isn't working. No, because the cases you are seeing in the first two weeks 
are the cases from the previous two weeks before the lockdown. Now you're identifying those cases. You're counting those cases. It's working, but everything has a two-week lag. So today, you cannot tell that California is doing well. You cannot tell that yet because it went into lockdown five days ago on the 19th. But I can tell you five days from today, you will see California's cases start to crest. It'll start to first slow, then it'll start to crest. We'll still get more cases every day, but the growth rate is going to slow down. Today, New York adds 50% new cases every day, right? At 50%, they're dead. They just don't know it yet. They need to get that down to about 5%. And are other places down to 5%? Yes, Iran, after their three weeks of lockdown, is at 5% today. So it can be done. Italy was at 10% yesterday, and they haven't even finished their three weeks of full nationwide lockdown. It slows. It slows in every single case. We haven't seen any, any country not slow if it doesn't go into lockdown. The problem is today on the 24th, only one half of America is in lockdown. 148 million out of our 323 million people are in lockdown. The problem is the other half. This half can see insane spread. And that's, that's part of the problem. So we need to continue seeing this trend. Every day for the last five days, at least three states have gone into lockdown. And what I want to see is more of the states going into lockdown because that is phase two. And so we I'm, talked I'm, a little, about, I'm a little partial, Neil, and I, I'm a little biased uh, towards Texas. So I want a little bit more info on Texas. And like I told you, I've been in Mexico for the past month. So I'm just now catching up with things and figuring out where things lay. If you have any information to give us or to look up. Really, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, in terms of California and New York, I understand they're going in two totally different directions. Where does, where does Texas fall as one of the... So, Go ahead. Dallas has done well because Dallas is now in shelter in place as a, as a metro. But Texas is doing really poorly. In fact, Texas is doing the exact reverse of what they should be doing because their governor has made a public statement yesterday saying, I am 70 years old. I want to take the hit. Let's open up our economy. I don't think that this person understands what he's doing. I don't think that he is listening to the doctors. I don't think that he understands the exponential function. Remember, our, we're wired to do one, two, three, four. This virus is wired to do one, ten, hundred, one thousand. So by the time our mind gets to four, the virus has gotten from one to a thousand. You see what I mean? That is the beast that we deal with. That is what we deal with. I mean, if, if this is the earth of the Avengers, this thing is Thanos, right? Thanos killed half of the population of the universe. This thing, between its economic damage and its health damage, is capable of killing half the people on the planet. Other countries are doing the right thing we are doing the right thing only in certain states. Did you hear India went into a lockdown, not a shelter in place? They allow a three-hour window every other day for people to come out of their house and buy groceries. Three hours every other day. Wow. Otherwise, when you're in the street, they'll immediately arrest you. Wow. Bottom line is, that is what worked in Hubei. China showed us a way through this process. And scenario two is that process. And I believe we will get there. I believe, and, and I, for those of you that want to know about this, I created a website called coronavirusrealestate.com. So easy to figure out, coronavirusrealestate.com. Go in there and watch my video on March 11th. And then, because you know, you're watching that video on my website, you can click the YouTube link and start reading the remarks, and you'll see how many people didn't believe. And then a week later, when I updated the video, there were more people 
that we're believing. And day after tomorrow, the 25th, when I update the video again, there will still be more people. So despite the fact that people mistrust what the, what the media is saying, I think that there's more people that are beginning to understand the danger that we're in, which is why today, on the 24th of March, I believe scenario two is going to happen. And scenario two is we, the country goes into a lockdown and we do it for three weeks, you know, per, per state, some states starting, you know, later than other states. And when we come out of it, we've controlled it to the point, we can't kill it, we, but we can control it to the point where we can have an economy again. I have to say Congress has done a really good job. As of today, that package is just about ready for signature. I think it'll be signed later today. It gives people four months, four months of their salaries. That's April, May, June, and July. Four months of salary. So in my mind, Congress has done a wonderful job. And that was what was needed because, because landlords need to get paid. The good news is yesterday, Fannie and Freddie announced that as long as we don't evict our tenants, we don't have to pay our mortgage, yeah. right? That was a big deal. A lot of people are saying, why should I get into real estate when my tenants don't pay? The answer is, as long as your tenants are not paying, you're not paying either, yeah. right? So there's a balance here. And at some point, your tenants will pay. Keep in mind that not every tenant all of a sudden is going to say, oh, I don't need to pay just because my landlord cannot evict me. Many of them will pay because money is coming in from the government, yeah. right? So not only are people going to receive $3,000 cash checks from the government, they're going to get employment benefits for four months. Yeah. No one in history has ever done four months of employment benefits for basically one-fourth of the country being laid off. Yeah. So this is a big deal. And this is a very positive statement. As long as we can do the lockdown we now have the money to do the lockdown. We have the time to do the lockdown. So the only X factor in this solution is us reopening the country too early. Wow. We've got to let every area have at least three weeks of lockdown. If you want to learn from the Chinese, Hubei province came out of you know, the, 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 this, the, the province that was affected by the initial outbreak, 80,000 people. They came out of lockdown after eight weeks. The Chinese are really good with math. They know what's happening. If we don't do three weeks or four weeks for all parts of the US, we won't be able to stop this. Then we go into scenario one. And in scenario one, real estate is worthless. Yeah. It's liquid, it's worthless. I couldn't care less about my properties at that point in time because the human tragedy will be so much greater that money will not matter. But in scenario two, we, here's what happens. We slow this thing down. We have our lockdown. The lockdowns pretty much end at the end of April, right? So that today is March 24th. So it, it ends about 34, 36 days from now. And then one by one, states start coming out of lockdown after they've done their three or four weeks. They start coming out of lockdown and the economy starts to spool up again in May. Still huge job losses in May. So April job losses, May job losses, June job losses. But by July, we should see positive job gains and in, in August, we should see huge job gains, all of those jobs that were lost coming back because of the fiscal stimulus that we are injecting into the economy. But at the same time, in August, we should see lots and lots of single families, multifamilies, all kinds of assets that are distressed assets available in the market, not at 50% or 70% off like 2008. This is not it. If you're going to wait for 50% off, you're going to be waiting forever. 
but you might see 10, 20, and even 30% off, maybe in some parts of the US. Certainly in New York, you'll see assets at prices that you've never heard of. The lowest price of all is going to be New York, for sure, because no other state has the insane problem that New York has created for itself, right? By, by, by not taking the lockdown actions until they took them a couple of days ago. Should have locked down a week ago because they realized how bad their problem was. They chose not to lock down their, their state. So you'll see a huge number of bargains in Q3. You'll see interest rates lower than they've ever been. You'll see fiscal stimulus. You'll see the economy recovering. Don't hesitate to act because you've kicked yourself for not doing it before in 2008, 2009. Make sure that you don't miss out on it this time. I love it. I love it. Neil, this has been crazy. This has been so much good information. I know the listeners are just like, wow, like I'm blown away. And I want to speak to, again, maybe the, the and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the, of the, the investors who are looking to invest in the future and also the investors who invest now that are still looking to, to invest here in the next few, uh, few quarters. But I want to talk to the current investors who invest in multifamily, who invest in single family. And I want to talk to what, uh, what, what, what things are looking like today. Like what, when you look at the real estate terrain in terms of sales volume, in terms of pricing, in terms of inventory, what sharp declines have you seen and what things have you seen, have you seen just remain constant? Um, nothing's remained constant. I've never seen anything like it. At this point of time, banks are backing away. Banks are requesting 12 months of mortgage, um, you know, impounds, um, you know, so that's raising the amount of equity that we're raising. Banks are pulling back and saying, I'm not going to give you a loan for as much. The value is down. Um, and then unlike single family where mortgage rates are going down and multifamily mortgage rates are going up because banks are freaking out. So, there's no good news to be had in commercial real estate for the next two or three months. There's good news. This leads to us all making more money if we stay in. The key is you have to survive the next five months, the four, next four or five months. You have to survive. And you've been given the tools to do that. If you have properties, apply for mortgage uh, abatement because they've already allowed you to not pay your mortgage. So don't fight it. Because there's only so much you can tell your tenants at this point in time until those tenants mentally feel better. And I assure you, the news will get a lot worse, especially because of New York, before it gets better, right? Very few people are going to realize that they're going to listen to the human tragedy over the next 30 days in New York and assume that all of that is going to happen to the rest of the U.S. I'm telling you, it might happen to a few other places in the U.S., but it's not going to be the same. New York didn't act in time right? Many others have acted in time. When Trump declared a nationwide, um, you know, reduction, they, you know, closed restaurants, things like that, that helped everyone except for New York. So don't just believe the bad news. Research the numbers. On the commercial real estate side, there's no good news to be had, and there will not be good news for another 60 to 90 days. So what Here's is where the good news you know, is. What is the common thought between amongst amongst potential home sellers and potential home buyers? Like, are people buying right now? Should we, as investors, be looking to buy? Um, what are prices telling us? So right now, the market is not falling in prices. It's just falling in volume. So single family home, uh, you know, uh, sales that, that were happening, some of them have dropped. Um, but a lot of it is just people can't go to open houses. So nothing is selling. So, so buyers are pulling back. They're pulling their properties that were listing. They're pulling them back. So the market in the single, on the single family side is not dropping. It's frozen, mm. right? 
So when it's frozen, the only thing you can say is volume is down, not prices are down. So for the moment, you aren't seeing a lot of price reduction in the single family side. Multifamily is seeing price reductions. Why? Because people are retrading. So everybody who was in contract is coming back and saying, hey, I haven't given you earnest money. I'm going to retrade this property. I'm sorry, I can't pay you the same price because the bank is not willing to accept that price. They, they're not willing to give me a loan. They want more money. The value of the property is down. So multifamily very quickly, you know, you've seen price drops of, you know, 5% so far. It's, it's, it's a very small window of time, but we've seen about a 5% drop there and a lot of retrading activity going on. But as of the last two or three days, multifamily transactions are also freezing because no one can do due diligence. Banks are closed. Um, yeah. Cities are closed. So transactions have simply stopped. And I don't think that they will start up for the next 30 to 45 days. And in 30 to 45 days, we will have good news. Everyone will have good news. Two kinds of good news. Number one, practically every tenant that lives in every multifamily in America will have received somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000. I'm assuming that it's a family of four, so 3,000. If it's a family of two, then 2,000. If it's a family of one, then 1,000, right? So they will have re received a helicopter money being thrown from helicopters practically at them. And then on top of that, they would have realized that they don't need to pay. They, they, they don't need to work for the next four months. They get paid a salary. Whatever salary they were getting in February or, or March, they get that same salary for four months and they get paid to sit at home. Mm -hmm. So if they were serving as a restaurant waiter and they were making 12 bucks an hour, they still get to make 12 bucks an hour <coughs> for up to four months. We've never done that across the board in the United States. Who does that, affect? Who does that affect best? That, that, I mean, the first things that those tenants are thinking about is, hey, I'm going to go get food. But after that, it's, it's paying my rent, right? I mean, I, Exactly. I, I, so rent is number two. And yeah. so that is the good news for us. That's the good news we're going to hear about in four to five, six weeks. Rent is always number two after food. And even though some people, many of those tenants realize that they don't have to pay their, their uh, rent this month and they can't be evicted, we have lots of messaging. We're going to say, we can't evict you, but we can still report you, right? So, um, and keep in mind that we're going to queue you up for eviction. And so you don't want to get there because whenever we can evict you, we're going to evict you immediately at that point in time. So we have tools at our disposal and we're going to use those tools, right? And I'd, I'm not suggesting that we be nasty to our tenants. This is actually a time to be good. Yeah. This is a time to be good. So my primary strategy is for every single property that I have, I'm going to apply for mortgage abatement, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to simply stop paying my mortgages. I'm going to let my banks know who, who are at this point are very flexible, right? Banks are very inflexible right now if you want to buy properties but banks are very flexible right now if you don't want to pay your mortgage because they have received instructions from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac I love this. to allow you to not pay mortgages. So I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to stress out my tenants or kill them. If they're not, if they're, if they're paying great, I'll take their money. If they're not paying, I'll give them options. Like, do you want to defer your payment for one month? And I can add your payment to the next month. If they don't want to do that, I'll say, well, how about this month? How much can you pay me? Oh, I can pay 500. Oh, your payment's 1,000? Can I apply $500 of your, um, your, um, your uh, deposit? And they say, yes, great. I, I make a lease amendment and I apply $500 of their deposit. So I do as many things as I can, right, to help my tenants. And worst case, if they don't pay, it's okay because I'm not paying my mortgage either. Would you, would you consider single-family renters a lot stronger demographic than uh, multifamily apartment renters? 
Yes, I expect to see a lower level of delinquency in single family, but amongst like the higher quality of single family, right? So, so there are places like, um, you know, in Memphis, you have these $40,000 homes that people are renting for six, 700 bucks. I don't see them as being any different from apartments, right? So there's, there's a lot, Memphis is just an example, but there's lots of places like that. But if you've got a single family renter that was paying you $1,200 a month for your single family home, I definitely see you'll see lower levels of delinquency because some of those people were not blue collar. They were white collar. White collar people haven't been laid off. Their companies just sent them home. Blue collar people that were working for restaurants and airlines and, and uh, you know, um, airports, they're all going to get laid off if they haven't already been laid off in the last 15 days. So it's the blue collars that are affected. So the it's not about single family versus multifamily. It's about did you have a $1,200 tenant or did you have a $700 tenant, right? If your apartment complex had a $1,200 tenant, they probably didn't get laid off either. Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love it, I love it. This is all great stuff. And I wanna do one last comparison in, in, in reference to us as real estate investors as opposed to those of us who invest in the stock market or just invest in our 401k. And I know the stock market has taken a hit in the past month, month and a half. But I just wanna kind of, Highlight what's been going on in the stock market over the over the past month and a half, and how that differs with the real estate market. Well, firstly, if you haven't already figured out that real estate is a better class asset class than stocks, I mean, this should be obvious to you now. Um, my my apartment complexes are filled with people. My occupancy is the same as it was last month, but my stock portfolio is down forty percent. So, number one, understand that. Number two, know that the government has just released hundreds of billions of dollars, if not a trillion dollars, to help me help real estate, not to help stocks. None of those companies that lost 70% have received a direct injection of money. Let me ask you this, you know, at this point, is the government going to give hundreds of billions of dollars to, you know, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines? No. The government is giving hundreds of billions of dollars indirectly to the apartment industry. Because the money that is being thrown at people is really the people that live in apartments, right? If you look at their cutoffs, you know, seventy-five thousand in income, those are people that live in apartments. And we know that because we are a need-based asset class, a lot of these people will say, "Okay, I just got money from the government. I'm going to pay my rent," right? So, bottom line is, if you for years have been thinking that stocks are the same as real estate, they're not. We are a need-based, privileged asset class. And if, you, if, if the last 30 days haven't shown you that, then nothing ever will. You simply do not understand. I love it. I love it. Well said, well said, Neil. So let's even talk to, again, we're, we're now drilling down to the, to the people who, who want to invest in real estate now, and they're looking at all these asset classes. And they're, again, they're thinking they want to protect their downside, right? Uh, they want to make sure that ultimately uh, they're, they're not buying for the good times, they're buying for the bad times. So now that it's quote unquote a bad time, when you look at the different asset classes, what do you see? What do you see from from maybe let's go from worst to best? What do you see as far as the asset classes that are not performing as well as opposed mm-hmm. to asset classes that are performing really well currently in this market? So what's been decimated is senior housing. Any kind of senior housing and skilled nursing has been decimated, down forty nine percent on the REITs. Um, you know, in in terms of commercial real estate REITs, um, why? Well, because of the bad press that that Washington nursing home got. Right, so they had. 
80 infections, a, a large number of people there have died. Right now, because those people are living in such close proximity, nobody in America wants their mom or dad to be in a skilled nursing home. So if people are able to withdraw them, they're doing that. And this will go away. But I think that the, the hit that skilled nursing homes and senior housing will take is similar to the hit that the airline industry is taking, right? The airline industry in, in after 9-11 took a hit, right? They take a, a hit, but it was a very short hit. But here, the airline industry is not taking a hit. The airline industry is shut down, right? So more than 90% of international flights are canceled. More than 80% of domestic flights are canceled. The industry is shut down. Well, the same sort of thing to a lesser extent is happening to senior housing and skilled nursing where people are like, I'm just going to take my mom out of there. Even if I have to pay you this month's rent, I'm taking my mom because I don't want my mom with 100 other seniors when there's a virus that kills them, like that's roaming around your hallways, right? So that sector is very hard hit and I don't expect it to rebound in Q3 or Q4. I think we need time to forget about coronavirus before the, the senior housing sector begins its rebound. So I think they're going to be colossally hit for this uh, year. Uh, the, the next sector that's hit is uh, 36% down is uh, lodging, hotels. And once again, hotels weren't hit. They're decimated. Most hotels in the U.S. are right now empty, completely empty. Wow. And I think that even though people will come back to hotels much sooner than they will come back to, um, to you know, skilled nursing facilities and, and senior housing, there's going to be less paranoia there for sure. Um, but I, I do expect the sector to be hit. I expect there to be great bargains. For those of you that want to buy hotels, you're going to see some incredible bargains in Q3. Stay tuned. Um, student housing is hit. Once again, students left, right? So pretty much all colleges and universities in the U.S. are shut down. Those students are now demanding their money back from those student housing you know, uh, providers, and some of them are being forced to give that money back. Um, and so Student housing is hit as a sector, but again, like hotels, it will bounce back quickly if colleges reopen in August. So if they reopen, that sector will bounce back fairly quickly, but for the moment, student housing is hit super duper hard. Um, malls, malls are the next sector in real estate that have been hit. Malls and strip malls are hit very hard. Um, that's because they still have tenants, but their tenants don't have any customers, so they're unlikely to pay them on April 1st. Now, malls have bigger customers, like they have Macy's, and Macy's is not going to miss their mortgage payment on April 1st. Um, but strip malls have, you know, the nail salon and the dentist mm -hmm. that is not going to make their payment on April 1st. So once again, I predict that you will see a large number of deals on strip malls in Q3. As an investor, you might see some astonishing numbers that you could never expect to see, perhaps 50, 60% lower. If they're 50% lower, I'm telling you, I'm buying strip malls because that is an absurdly large delta, yeah. right? So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then we saw office, right? So offices are hit, but not as much as strip malls, not as much as student housing. The reason for that is other than small offices, it's larger companies that are well capitalized. They've got a lot of cash and they're not going to miss that April 1st mortgage payment. Individuals have 400 bucks in the bank. They might miss a rent payment for April, but companies that have $50 million in the bank are still going to pay the April rent and the May rent, and maybe in June they'll think about not paying. But in the short run, they're not hit as hard. So offices are hit, but not as hard as strip malls, where, where you know a lot of the, the strip mall tenants, the hair salon, really doesn't have a million dollars in the bank. And then 
you know, the lesser hit or, or the least hit segment in terms of real estate investment trusts that have been hit in our commercial real estate is apartments, followed by life science and medical office. That makes perfect sense, right? Why would life sciences and medical offices be hit? Imagine what happened after 2001, security, you know, the security industry boomed for 10 straight years. Well, I can tell you which industry is going to boom for the next 10 years. Yeah. It's healthcare. It's healthcare because we are facing an existential crisis. And when that happens and the whole world fights it together, you see offshoots of that for the next decade. So I think that even at the, at the medical offices REITs, they're down about 18%. I think they're cheap. You should be buying medical office real estate investment trusts even at 18% discount today because they're really, really cheap. They're going to get a huge lift from this. They're going to get a massive lift. And then the best performing asset class through this whole thing so okay. far has Home been self-storage, right? Self-storage. <laughs> Why? Because yep. it flies under the radar. Yep. I mean, you're, you're in an apartment. You just lost your job. You don't go into your bank account and, you know, a lot of self-storage payments, most of them are basically auto deduction from your bank. It's going to take you three to four months to notice that that 60 or 80 bucks a month is going out. And right now, if you're laid off, the last thing you want to do is to save 80 bucks is to go rent a truck mm -hmm. with money you don't have to mm -hmm. go to the cell storage. And when you take that stuff out, where are you going to put it? <laughs> because you might lose your apartment next month or the month after that. The bottom line is self-storage, I don't really see there being a negative impact for three or four or five months. And by that time, we would have sorted through this. People would have become more positive. We'd be like, okay, we're fighting this. We're winning this war. And I think people will just let that, that be. So unquestionably, self-storage is the, is the sector that, that is, benefits the most. And that's what we've seen with self-storage REITs getting, not getting hit much at all. Yeah, I love that. Wow. Wow, Neil. This has been a fantastic podcast. So leave the listeners with this one. In terms of what you're currently doing, uh, how you're looking at the markets, what you want to do in the future, and what you see the rest of Q2 and Q3 of 2020, are you just holding on to your money to, 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 to attack when the time is right? What are you currently, what's your current outlook on the market? Well, I'm buying self-storage. And, and so, you know, if I can buy more self-storage, I want to buy that because people are going to realize from this that self-storage is an underrated asset class. They've seen, other people are seeing what I'm seeing where the, the read shares for self-storage are not getting hammered and they're getting hammered for everything else. And so I'm buying storage. I am focused on managing my properties right now. My job is to manage my properties right now, not to be buying stuff. I'm a syndicator. And syndicator's job is not just to buy properties, but to manage them. And right now, management is a huge crisis. So I have to be in the middle of that. So I'm not buying a lot. I'm just buying some self-storage. And what I'm doing is I'm messaging my investors to say that when there's blood in the water, that's when you have to have, you, you know, you, you got to have some, keep some powder spare. And so I'm telling my investors the opportunity to buy will come in Q3. It will be a better opportunity than any we've had in the last five years. Make sure that you're ready. Make sure that at that point, you're not panicked. Don't just believe the bad news. The problem with this, this whole pandemic is that today, if there's good news, you don't know it yet. You're going to know it 15 days from now. There's this 15-day lag where you're only going to hear bad news when, in fact, the news is good today. The pandemic is declining in the, fifth, in the states that in, implemented lockdowns and did it you know, sooner, like California. You don't know that yet, though because you're seeing the cases from 15 or 20 days ago, and those cases are, are racking up and making you know, things seem shocking. Oh my God, we have 10,000 cases yesterday in the US, and today we're gonna have 15,000. People are just going nuts over this. 
no, there's a, there's a lag. There's good news. It's coming. I want you to quickly touch on what the debt jubilee is. How do we prepare for something like that? There's no preparation for a debt jubilee. A debt jubilee is a worldwide forgiveness of all debt. And it is possible that this crisis will trigger the debt jubilee. So if a debt jubilee happens, I will buy as much real estate as I can because a, a debt jubilee will make hard assets like gold and real estate m- valued much higher. So essentially, a debt jubilee is a coordinated forgiveness of the world's debt, corporate debt, municipal debt, federal debt, sovereign debt, any kind of debt will all get slashed all at one time. There's a number of people in the background uh, running war games on a, cor- on, a, on a debt jubilee. You can't do a debt jubilee at a, at, a, at a local or a national level. It has to be done at a world level. Um, why, do you think, why, so, do you think will, why do you think something like this can and, and maybe will happen? Because, because the markets are becoming unstable. I mean, this, you know, the world is adding up trillions and trillions of dollars of brand new debt because of this. If we become unstable, then the scenario that is known to work that, you know, we, we tried it already in Greece. We basically cut debt in Greece and the world watched and didn't do anything about it. So I believe that that is, it's definitely a last ditch option. It, you know, it has, it has severe severe consequences, very dangerous consequences. And so nobody is looking at it lightly, but uh, a debt jubilee today is 10 times more, more likely than it was a month ago. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? Um, uh, well, that's interesting. I think that my favorite book would be uh, the Miracle Morning, because I find that that book gives you the gift of reading other books. So to me, it's the greatest book of all. I love that book. That is an amazing book by Mr. Hal Elrod. Uh, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Hmm, That's an interesting one. I think my favorite app is Slack. Um, Slack gets rid of email. Email is horrible. Email gets lost. Slack, as long as you put it into the right channel, Nothing ever gets lost and people learn very quickly. So I'm able to onboard employees well. So I think Slack is an incredible replacement for email. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Freedom, not the money. Um, and I'd, I'd like to say it's the money, but I think it's the freedom. Um, I'm sitting at home. I'm relaxed. You know, my, my kids, my wife, everyone, everyone's with me. I, I made more money in some years as a technologist than I than I've done in real estate, but um, the sense of freedom that I enjoy is uh, is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? A reduction in income. I mean, everyone that that you know, ideal scenario, you should just smoothly slide into real estate while slowly reducing your date date job income and slowly increasing on the real estate side, it doesn't quite happen that way. And it didn't happen that way for me. Um, I think that what you do is you cover your base expenses and then you, you take a, take a leap. And if you're listening to this podcast today, I can tell you 2020 is a phenomenal year to get started. Mm -hmm. It's better than 2019, 18, 17, 16, maybe even 15, 15 was a great year too. Um, It's a great year to get started because there's blood in the water. Wow. Love it. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Um, my mentors. I mean, in, in the end, you've got to have great mentors. You know, my, my, the CEO of my tech company, Paul Afshar, was a phenomenal mentor. My uncle is a 
Burger King magnet. He has over a hundred Burger Kings and, you know, I've learned a lot from him. So I think it's, it's people in your life that influence you and you've really got to be intentional about understanding that these people have a lot to teach you and, and learn as much as you can. Wow. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Because we don't love ourselves enough. We, that we question ourselves. Why me? Why does it you know, need to be me? And the answer is simply that the difference between those who are stuck and those who are not is that the people who are not stuck didn't question themselves as much. They are no better than you. They're not smarter. They don't have more money. They're not luckier. None of those things are true. Those are all bullshit stories you tell yourself. The only thing was they didn't question themselves as much as you did. I love it. Boom. And there you have it, ladies and gents, Mr. Neil Bawa. Now, if the, if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, want to find some of your information, learn how they can keep up to date with COVID-19, where do they go? So the best place to go to is multifamilyu.com and then click on the coronavirus impact on real estate webinar. It's a very detailed step-by-step webinar with hundreds of facts. Um, and it's, it is, uh, we were doing it twice a week as a public service. And because of the nature of this emergency, we actually do not pitch our services in that webinar. So check out multifamilyu.com. Uh, earlier in the podcast, we talked about the location magic course with its 10 metrics. That is also on multifamilyu.com. Just click on learn, click on location magic and take that particular course. You need to be ready, right? A real opportunity has emerged. And if you don't think that this is an opportunity, then you'll never get into real estate. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. There you have it, ladies and gents, Mr. Neil Bauer. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Thanks, Derek. Have a good one.